This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's going on, everybody? What's up, folks? We are back with Dark Windows Podcast, episode 113. My name is Kevin. My name is Kevin. He is also Kevin. I am also the Kevin. So this week, we are going to be doing a fan-requested episode. Um, Actually, I've been talking to this guy for quite a while through the page and kind of like on Facebook and everything. Um. Sure you have. No, dude. Uh-huh. No, seriously. Fucking, I've been uh, I've been talking to Tristan back and forth for probably the better part of a year at this point, and uh, like right when we first started talking, he's like, "Hey, have you ever heard of this thing called Coldit's Castle?" And I was like, "Nope." And he goes, "You need to look into it." And guess what? I finally did. <laughs> yeah. So a long fucking time. A long later. fucking time later. Yeah. I mean, but you know, some good guy you are. Yeah. Well, you know, I was like, you know what? We've been talking about castles a lot lately in the last few months, so let's talk about another goddamn castle. Except we're not talking about this one because it's haunted or, you know, whatever. No. We're talking about this one because it is fucking crazy World War II stories. Not everything has to be haunted. No. It just can be fucking weird. Yeah, and I mean, this is... Strange. This this one isn't even weird. This is more... uh, Almost like a failed action movie <laughs> through the whole thing. So, um, you ready to? Do we get a, uh, um, uh, um, shit? What you know? One of those things halfway into it, you know? A Montague? Yes, a Montague. I mean, I'm sorry, a montage. Oh no, uh, I don't know about montages. Um, we get a motherfucking montage. I will definitely be making a lot of movie references, though. Damn. So I want a montage. I don't know how to fucking physically manifest a montage for a podcast. Like, it's a visual concept. You can't really do a sound montage. I don't think, unless oh. our chuckle fuckery episodes count as montages. Well, I Which they, they may, they but might I don't be. know. They might be a montage. But they're also terrible. Wow. I mean. <laughs> and it's it, not terrible, like, quality, just terrible because we're fucking awful people and we get to release all of our vile, disgusting thoughts on the world through those. Well... It's not that, you know... And when we can't remember how to fucking talk. That's mostly me. That's a lot of that, too, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of you... I mean, well, if we put in you, you're going... Well, I edit that shit out because nobody wants to hear me making fucking head noises. It's disgusting. <laughs> sure they do. So, you about, anyway. you about ready? Let's play the Colditz game. Yeah, buddy. The land that Colditz Castle is built on has had a castle on it for nearly a thousand years at this point. Damn. Not the same castle, mind you, but a castle nonetheless. Oh. not Well, that's kind of interesting. Not the right. same castle? No, it, but there's been a castle on the general area. Where's um, Col- Coldus is in where? Coldus is in Germany. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I guess that makes sense because, I mean, 
a lot of the war and everything else. Yeah. Wars. Yeah. I mean, of fucking... Like... All of them. Yeah. <laughs> Way back to Roman times. Well, it's not quite that old, I don't think. I mean, they were country and... Right. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, the Germans back then weren't exactly building castles. They were, you know... They could have been, okay? No, they weren't. So, <laughs> let's do some real quick history before we get into the uh, the fun parts here. It's located near uh, Leipzig and Dresden. Mm, and, Leipzig. Yeah, and it's built on a high hill with a steep drop-off on one side. Um, kind of the exact opposite of Hauska, where this was built where it was because it was built to be an actual fucking castle. Like, very okay. high drop-offs on three sides, one way in. Okay. You know? But but there's a purpose for it, though. Not like Hauska, where there was no fucking purpose. It was just, yeah, that looks good. Bloop. Well, there's fucking monsters, and we have to keep them in was the purpose. Well, if they... Where that was built like an out, inside-out castle to keep shit in. This was to keep... The outside in? The outside out. Or, yeah. Yeah, that way. Yes. So before it was a POW camp, it was used as a castle. A dir. Um a lookout area during the Middle Ages, and a TB war during the outbreaks in Germany in the 1840s. No shit. Yeah, a, a lot like um, uh, Bielitzalstatten, which was also used as a, a TB hospital. Uh, and actually, during World War One, it was also used as a prison camp. Oh. I mean, well, it makes sense. It's already there. At the beginning of World War Two, when Adolf Hitler first started taking things over... It was used as a prison for "quote unquote" undesirables, uh-huh. <laughs> like gays, Jews, yes. gypsies, mm-hmm. and I mean the only ones that really I'm kind of no. I mean the only ones that they put into this list that they're like, oh, they're undesirables. That I'm like, not really communists. Fuck them. Throw them in the castle. Who gives a shit? Well, I mean, yeah, they were undesirables because they were still are. Fuck them. There is no true communist, just to let you know. Still a bad idea. Fuck them, fuck Karl Marx right in his dumb face. It's not a bad idea, it's just it's just not a idea that can work. We have the, we, we're, This is going to turn into an argument like it always does. No. So we're not going to. Anyway. <laughs> no, I just said no, it. It just no, can't work. No defending communism. Not on my episode. What can it, the reason why it can't work is because of the human element. Yeah, because it's a terrible fucking idea and people want what's theirs. You really want to put, you want to go out and bust your fucking cock off in a field for 18 hours a day, growing all your shit just to have it mm-hmm. taken away to be used for, quote, the rest of everybody else and, and get fucking nothing? And that's the reason why it doesn't work. Because it can't. Anyway. <laughs> picking this place was a no-brainer for Nazi higher-ups. Again, like we discussed during Hauska, um a lot of castles are built as a defensible position. Yes. This is definitely one of those cases. One of the drop-offs, one of the sheer cliffs is almost 300 feet high on the side. So you're not climbing up that. No, I mean, you could probably, but that's fucking, you gotta be talented as shit. You have to be fucking Spider-Man to do that. Okay. Um, And the lower, the lower level of the castle, the walls are, in certain places, anywhere between seven and nine feet thick. Thick. They so, knew how to build a castle back then. Okay, listen. The Germans know how to build a lot of shit, and they're good at building a lot of shit. Including cars, castles apparently, guns for sure. 
Well, no, I mean, like, back then, back when, you know, these castles were made, a lot of them, the outer walls were actually really, really thick. Well, it has to stop a cannonball, basically. Yeah. Or, you know, trebuchet or whatever the fuck they're throwing at you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot of force coming yeah, at you. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, if it does, if it can't stop it, well, you're you're screwed. Yeah. The camp was under the command of a man by the name of Reinhold Eggers, who I came love from that a name, right? Reinhold. He came from a very uh, prestigious, like Prussian military upbringing. Like his father was military, his grandfather was military. Came from a, a military family. Yeah. And this will explain a lot how he ran the prison. He's uh, he's one of these guys who is very punctual, uh, very, very rarely showing up any later than 7.45 a.m. to be in his office, hat off at his desk, fucking... That's, that's military. Ready to, you know. Ready to do it, you know? Yeah. He's also very, very clean cut. He's got his precisely trimmed, manicured mustache. You know, his hair is fucking perfect. He's one of these guys. Yeah. By, of course. Right. And that's... That's where you. That's because you know. Again, the career military guy, who grew up in the you know, he basically a, grew was, up in the military. Yeah, he was a military brat. Right. And he just continued it, and he, you know, I mean, it's just you know, you're in for so long, that shit still continues. Yes. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, my dad. You know, there's things that he does, still continues, like my and my brother Ben. Right. You know, same way. Still gets the same freaking haircut. Except your dad with his fucking excellent beard, they could totally send undercover. (laughs) Be like, hey, uh, go take care of some of these Al-Qaeda's for us. You got a sweet fucking beard. Well, yeah, yeah. They would do that. (laughs) So by pretty much all accounts that I could find from, like, his peers and the other guards and his assistants and all this, like, all these different people that were very close to him, Mm -hmm. he held... No more than, like, a very, 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 like, tenuous, fleeting loyalty to the Nazi party itself. He was one of these guys, kind of like Rommel, where he was uh, he was military man first and didn't really give so, so much of a fuck about the party. Yeah, so he's party man second right. or third or whatever. And another guy that, <clears throat> that people don't really think of in that way is uh, General Lee. He didn't give a shit about... You know, anything that was going on with slavery and anything like that. He was a military man. He graduated from West Point. Mm-hmm. He, his family wasn't, you know, wealthy enough to have even owned slaves. Uh, I think he actually did. I Yeah, but I don't think he was, like, too keen on it from what I've seen with everything. I don't know. Where he's, like, one of those guys where he's, like, I'm not here because I'm... It was, I'm not fighting for an idea. I'm fighting for my country. Yeah, and his country was, was his the, state. The, so, with all of the... I mean, the rampant human rights violations that the Germans were 100% guilty of during World War II. Yeah, starting off with killing people who have Down syndrome. Yeah. Any kind of what they would have referred to as a... A mental disorder. Yeah, a mental defect or whatever. They they would have had some other term for it at that point. Yeah, no, you would have spot on. Mental defect, you know. So, with all that going on... It's hard to it's hard to say, but a lot of the time with prison camps, like POW camps, they weren't as awful to the people in them as they were the people that they were sending to concentration camps. 
Depends. I mean, I there mean, were there were definitely like POW camps where guys were getting fucked up left, right, and center. This is not one of those those camps. Okay. Uh, Eggers was was very again. He did things the way that he was by the book. So was he Geneva Convention? The, I I swear to God, this motherfucker had a copy of the Geneva Convention, and then he had a pocket copy well, with no. him. Wasn't the Geneva Convention after after World War One? Okay. Which is why World War II, they weren't allowed to use poison gas. Uh-huh. But I, I'm, I'm telling you, he had to have had a copy of it on his desk, like, dog-eared with different stuff. Because everything that was done to these prisoners was by the Geneva Convention. So he had his, so he had the, the company book, which is the Nazi book. And he's just like, eh, and he in, in, throw it. <laughs> no, well, no, 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 no. What he did was... Ripped everything out Cut a that hole was inside in it. of it, <laughs> and like you know, I just kept the the fold and was like put it over top of uh, the Geneva Convention. He's sitting in his office reading it, and somebody walks oh. in. He's like, oh, "Oh, what are you reading? So, what are you reading? Uh, uh, uh Nazi reading, stuff. I'm reading the book. <laughs> Nazi sings. I'm reading Mein Kampf again for the fifteenth time this week. Um, I love it. So e- even though he would have had the full backing of his higher ups right from fucking Berlin down uh-huh. to have chained these guys to walls and fucking beaten them with any, anything they could find. He didn't do it because you know, they're people. Yeah. They need to be treated as such. Uh-huh. And strangely enough, after the war, he became a professor and he wrote a book about his time at Colditz, um, talking about the, the dynamic between, the guards and the prisoners because for a very long time they had a one-to-one ratio Mm -hmm. every single prisoner in that camp had an individual guard which is impressive wow so it's like you're not playing zone d no (laughs) playing fucking man on man and uh i mean as we'll see later on, if they, if this was basketball a lot of these fucking guys would have got benched for like blowing coverage (laughs) for sure one of the coolest quotes that I could find from his book, he said, quote, the castle was built to be impossible to get into. My job was to make it impossible to get out of, which is just like fucking there should be an explosion in the background after that. Just like, <laughs> he's walking away and putting on his he's putting on his sunglasses. I don't know. Did they have sunglasses back then? Yes. OK, sure. So one of the big things the Germans did with Colditz was to bring in a lot of guys that had escaped from other camps and put them all together here because this place was supposedly inescapable. Ah, so it was the Alcatraz of... But what they did was accidentally create a fucking international all-star team of jailbreak artists. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> and now your starting lineup <laughs> standing five foot two bucket carrier uh and next <laughs> just a slight bit taller slightly <laughs> taller and even more upset that he's here so some of the let's do some of the background on the escape attempts because this is where shit gets super fucking interesting okay one of the first kind of groups of people that was brought into this camp was a group of Brits that were referred to as the Laughlin Six, and they were transferred here November 7th of 1940. 
They earned the nickname Laughin Six because they had been the six men that have that had actually escaped from uh, from a camp called Oflag Two, which was in Laughin, Germany. Mm. And Colditz would actually be called Oflag Four. They'd been recaptured and shipped off to Colditz. The group consisted of Harry Elliott, Rupert Berry, who would later become Sir Rupert Berry. He got knighted. Ooh, fancy bitch. Pat Reed, Dick Howe. I swear to God, I want to be this motherfucker when I grow up, and you'll understand why here in a second. Peter Allen and Kenneth Lockwood. Okay. So. Just a good time, chaps. So something that was re- that's really interesting when you compare a POW camp to a concentration camp, where when all of these poor Jews are being rounded up and sent off to fucking uh, Auschwitz or wherever uh-huh. they're being given uniforms. Uh-huh. When these guys were put into the camp, they ha- the only clothing they were given was whatever they were captured in. Yeah. So much like old school MLB all-star games, they wore their own uniforms. Wow. So they, they kind of, which this, this, this would almost make it a little bit easier for the Germans to segregate them by nationality. Yeah. So you're like, okay, well, these guys are Brits because this is what they're wearing. These guys are French because this is what they're wearing. These guys are Poles or wherever. Yeah. yeah. Any Yanks? Eh, not really. Damn. And the reason that I mentioned Peter Allen being the guy that I want to grow up to be is because Peter Allen was not British. He was a Scotsman, and this motherfucker was captured wearing his clan colors in his kilt. So he had, like, the uniform top, the uniform socks, and his fucking kilt. And I'm like, that's my guy. (laughs) Interesting. So there was a technique that I I learned about when they were talking about these guys trying to set up their escape uh, escape attempts. So it was a technique that they referred to as goon baiting. So what they would do is a bunch of them would get together and basically just start berating and harassing the guards and just just basically fucking with these guys to draw their attention to one spot so that a couple of dudes could sneak away. Jerry, come here, Jerry. <laughs> Hans, your mother's fucking ugly. How do you know what my mother looked like? Oh, she was in my bed last night. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a jolly good one. chaps. <laughs> so as prisoners from all over Europe, including England, France, Poland, the Netherlands are all being rounded up. A lot of the officers from these different countries kind of, I mean, obviously they had respect for each other because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're a fellow military guy, but they kind of started like a, a friendly little rivalry with each other. They started making these kind of little like fun, like side bets, like, oh, you know, I wonder who, you know, which one of us can have more of our boys escape. So they started referring to these as home runs. So the goal was to see, to score more home runs than any other country. And a home okay. run, you had to be a successful escape. It couldn't be like, oh, we scored a home run, even though the guy was already back. You know, he'd been captured. And like, no, 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 he fucked up. He didn't. He didn't win. So, you, so hold on. So you have to escape and not be caught. Yes. And not brought back. Yes. Okay. So you do you lose points, or is it like a like a uh, like you know a double? 
or a triple. <laughs> I think it's allowed out at that point. You know? Son of a like bitch. you're getting fucking robbed at the wall. All right, you know? all right. Because the entire outfield is Ken Griffey Jr. There's four of them out there. That's fucking cheating. Just to be safe. That's cheating. Hey. I'm just going to say it right now. That's cheating. So the British, being the British, doing the most British thing imaginable, formed an escape committee. Of course they would. <laughs> Reginald, you're on you're, so, you're on digging. So the escape committee was headed up by former civil engineer Pat Reed. He wanted uh of course, put the civil engineer into it. Exactly. Uh, because if there's a guy that's going to find you a way out, it's a civil engineer cuz he can look at the building and be like, "Okay, well, that's not up to code. We can go through there." There that's just cheating. It's not cheating. It's using your fucking noodle. I bet you no one else had a civil engineer. Unless, Doubt it. Unless he was allowed to be hired out. Dude, the rest of them are French and Polish, okay? Well, listen. <laughs> All right. Well, Fuck. The, well, the Polish are going to are gonna get get out and then try to escape back in and, you know, come back in. We'll talk about the Polish. <laughs> You're supposed to escape out, not escape in. <laughs> you have no idea how close you are. So he wanted out real bad, and he found a way. Uh-huh. He noticed one day when they were in the cafeteria, uh, the cafeteria was all uh, prisoner run. So as they're kind of going through, you know, through chow line, he notices a cover on the floor in the kitchen. So this kind of gets the wheels turning a little bit. And uh, he came up with a plan to, you know, it's like, hey. We need, like, three guys to distract a guard. Has to be this one specific guard because he has a key ring. Okay. So as they've got this guard distracted, he steals an individual key off the key ring. One key off of a fucking ring of keys on a guy's waist. He's like Oliver Twist levels of fucking pickpocket. Does he have pickpocketing plus ten? He's got something. So he takes this key. Or is he, is he adept? He must be adept. He's adept, for sure. Definitely. And then if you know what that means. He put all of his points into it. Yes, if you know what that means, you were. He rolled very, very high. <laughs> yeah. He's a rogue. So he st- he has this key, and he actually hides it in his in his mouth, like in his cheek, until he gets back to his cell, and then he presses it into a bar of soap. Just kind of like presses it into it to make a, basically to... A duplicate. Yeah. But since they don't have access to a key cutting machine, he took his next best choice. Found a spare iron bed leg and started to file it down until it had the exact shape, the exact shape of the key. We're talking like an exact replica of this key from an old bed leg and a bar of soap. It's not an easy thing, but... Well, I mean, it, I guess it... I, I don't know. I think it could be if if you're, because I mean, it ha- once you take out the old, the new, the actual key, and if the new key has to fit into that mold, but still, you're making it out of a fucking bed leg. Like you, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not saying it's cutting the key easy. is not is not an easy thing when you don't have the proper true, you know, you're stuff right, for it. You're right. Yeah. So one night he takes his homemade key, sneaks into the cafeteria. And with a lot of prayer, I'm guessing, and just a little bit of luck, he gets the hatch open. Squeezes down into the hole and kind of followed it to see where it led. Found that it led to a sewer 
that uh, had like a grate that ran up directly under, well, kind of on the other side of the exterior wall. And if you went a little bit further than that, you could dig up into the soft grass and come out onto the lawn outside. Uh Yeah. So he finds this sweet, sweet soft spot where he can dig up. The only problem being is with the sweet, sweet soft spot, there's a sweet, sweet German guard that walks around the outside of the castle. Uh And it's only one specific guy per shift, basically. So with phase one figured out, like figuring, you know, this is how we can get out. He starts phase two, which is operation. Give Klaus 500 marks and see if he'll look the other way while we sneak away. Buy him off. Uh Uh-huh. Part of phase two has been completed. They bribe this guard and he recruits 12 other officers to join him. One night, the 13 men sneak out. They go down into the sewer and they go out and they start to dig up to freedom. Reed being the leader, wasn't going to put his guys in danger. He said, you know, I will go first. Good leader. So he pops his head up like a little gopher. And uh, there's a whole pile of German soldiers on the lawn. Just wait, you know, looking and waiting. <laughs> ha, yep, there's a sewer down here. Yeah. Yep. So, so Operation Give Klaus 500 Marks and See If He'll Look the Other Way has failed miserably. As they're trying to pull him out of the hole, Reed is yelling back to his guys, telling them, turn around, go back, go back. And uh, when his boys get back out to where they'd come in from, there's another pile of German soldiers there. So not really knowing how to react to this whole thing, the Brits just start laughing in their faces. (laughs) They're kind of like, oh, this is fucked up. And, uh, as they're laughing, they're just like, yeah, we'll, we'll go to solitary. We know where that is. You guys can just follow us. <laughs> and each one. <laughs> That's great. Each one of these guys would serve 30 days in solitary confinement for their escape attempt. Um, the guard that was bribed, on the other hand, was allowed to keep his 500 marks, was given an extra week of paid leave. It was promoted and given a war service cross. Wow. This dude made out like a fucking bandit. Yeah. Uh, the. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but considering you're in a war situation, 30 days in solitary confinement is an awful, they could have just killed you instead. That's true. So the first home run from the camp would be scored by the French, more specifically a man named Alain Leray. This one didn't have the same kind of like, blockbuster movie like prison escape feel to it um this was a dude that was in the right place at the right time the prisoners would be marched out of the castle every 10 days for exercise because as part of the geneva convention you can't leave these guys confined you have to let them exercise that's out the other yep. um there is a courtyard but it's not very big so they were bringing these guys kind of out in shifts and there was a uh, at the the bottom of the hill there was like a little park I mean, it wasn't anything cute. There was a fucking guard tower, and it was surrounded by barbed wire and shit. Um, but these guys would be marched there at gunpoint and would be allowed to play European rules soccer because I refuse to call it fucking football. <laughs> uh, you're going to get shit for that. So there's there's really no way to slip away from this park. Like I said, it's surrounded by barbed wire. There's guards everywhere. Got a guard tower. When you're there, you're kind of there. Except there was a little, little bit of a place on the way back where you can make it, make a run for it. 
So this guy being as slippery as he was had actually escaped from a couple of camps previously. And he was always kind of on the, on the lookout for a way to get out. So one day before being taken to the park, he'd actually found some civilian clothing and put it on underneath his uniform. Keep in mind, these, these guys were obviously wearing their military uniforms when they went, which at that point in time were wool and heavy. Yes. And then you're running and playing soccer and you're wearing two sets of fucking clothes. This dude's lucky he didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> so on the way back from the park, he found his place. They rounded a section in the road where there was a it was a little bit sharper than the rest of it. And there was a series of buildings like right along the road. Keep in mind. When this guy decided to get out of here, there's a guard less than 10 meters behind him with a rifle. I'm sure if you were trying to escape in front of a guard, they probably would have just killed you. But so as they're kind of coming around the sharp spot in the the road, he looks over his shoulder and realizes the German can't see him because there's other people in the way. He just fucking dips into this abandoned house like he divine intervention. The door's unlocked. He fucking bolts in here, strips off his military uniform and hides it. And then he hides in the building for anywhere between an hour and five hours. And then as soon as he kind of realizes I'm okay, jumps out this little small window in the building and runs off to freedom. Huh? The, (laughs) the Germans only realized that he was missing because when they did a roll call later that night, He wasn't there. So, again, you're blowing man-on-man coverage. Coach going to slap your pee-pee for that one. Well, it doesn't sound like it was man-on-man coverage because it wouldn't zone. Uh, (laughs) true. (laughs) (laughs) They they wouldn't zone for this this procedure. So So they must have – I'm going to guess they probably changed that up. I'm assuming so. But the Germans decided that there's no way he could have escaped at any other point in time. <laughs> so they're like, he must have scaled this. There's a section of roof near where the French were, kept, were being kept. And uh, they decided that he must have gotten out the window, scaled the roof, and slid down on a lightning conductor to freedom. It was far less tango and cash than all of that. It was uh, fucking luck. Yeah. So this and dude. And nobody, nobody opened it. Well, I mean, why would they open their mouths? They want him to escape. Right. Even if you're from a different country, you're not going to be like, ah, that French dude escaped. That's, yeah. <laughs> Unless you're British and you got like a real strong grudge against him from like the, you know, oh. the fucking hundred years war. And you're like, fucking frogs. <laughs> Which, by the way, did you know that's why when people like British people give you the finger, they give you a two? It's because of back then when like the British and French went to war, the French king actually sent an assassin into where the British like longbowmen were and told him to try to cut as many of their fingers off as he could. Because if you don't only have one, yeah. you can't fire a longbow. Yes. So they would stand there with two fingers up. She Hey, I got both of them still. You're going to fucking die. Suck yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so here's where it gets cool. What do you mean? Here's where it gets, here's cool. where his story gets cool. Cause we're not done with him yet. Oh, from Gaston? Yeah. Or whatever his name is. No one sneaks out of prison like Gaston. (laughs) So he sneaks onto a train and rode it all the way into Nuremberg. When he gets there, he gets off the train and he finds some dude just kind of like walking between two buildings, beats the shit out of him, steals his overcoat and wallet. 
So he decides being this close to freedom instead of sticking to the sticking to town and main roads where he could potentially be seen, uh-huh. he's going to go on foot through the woods. Makes sense. So as he's sneaking through the woods, he he actually alerts a German border patrol in a true video game fashion, evaded them by hiding in a tree for five hours. Once his alert status reset, he got out of the woods and onto another train. So I heard, boop, All the German soldiers have fucking exclamation points over their heads. And he doesn't have a cardboard box to hide in, so he's like, I'm going to hide in a tree. Yeah, but then you hide in a tree and you're like, whoa, all clear. Fucking solid Simone. Um, so since he was pretty smart, he figured out if he bought a ticket without proper papers, probably going to end up caught. So he jumps the train and sneaks all the way up to the very front. So he's sneaking along the outside of this train all the way up to the engine, gets past the conductor and lays down directly under the light. Just fucking bloop, just lays down there. Because he realized that the light is so bright, people on a passing train or on the street, they're not going to see him. It's going to wash him out. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. So the train then crosses the border into famously neutral Switzerland, and he had completed the first successful escape from Coldest Castle. So Switzerland is the is the... Is the success point. It's the home run. Pretty much anywhere not in goddamn Germany is, is, is like where you're aiming for. He hit the century mark. <laughs> so for as much fun as we make of the French for surrendering, we also need to realize they're just as good at running away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I may not have surrendered, but I can run away. <laughs> Watch. See my dust. <laughs> I twist my mustache at you. <laughs> so let's jump back to our British friends, more specifically Peter Allen. Okay, because I'm, you know, French is the French are up one nothing. Right, one nil French. Yes, one nil. So Allen was actually selected as the escapee by the escape committee. Aha. Uh-huh. He was picked because he was very small and spoke flawless German, like with an accent and everything. His German was fucking beautiful. So the tricky part is, as long as he does, you know, instead of doing three, one, two, three, with a middle digit being, uh, you know, you three, do the, uh, the, the you do pull, the, yeah, you do the middle, <laughs> yeah, the middle digit being the. I've seen it. We, we've seen Inglorious Bastards. We know how the Germans count. Yes. <laughs> you. How, how did you catch me? You, you like use the, the wrong fingers. You use the wrong fingers. So. Yes. The only real problem they ran into with Peter Allen is. Uh, he was captured in his kilt, like we said before. And since kilts are not a native species of lower body clothing to Germany, the first step would be to find this boy some pants. So they found a pair of pants that were close enough, but because, again, they're in prison, they've got to be crafty. These guys altered the pants to fit him perfectly like they had been tailored specifically to him. <laughs> these guys are fucking amazing. See, this, I, this I is... Just, so I, I'm I'm kind of like thinking, the Great Escape. Where did, did they take everything from this move from this from these guys? I don't know, but it, definitely a lot. I mean, because that's how the Great Escape started off. Was okay. Well, guys escape. They the ducky was in prison. They come back. They get in prison. They they, you know, they they go in the hole. 
you know, or the Kula, as they called it. <laughs> Kula, 30 days. You know, they get in there, and then, well, they make another attempt. You know, well, come back, do another 30. <laughs> but each time, they're, you know, they're learning something. Exactly. Learning, learning. But I don't think this is going to end up like the end of The Great Escape, where a lot of them end up dead. Well, so the other thing, after they got in pants, is they also had to find him a jacket that wasn't, you know, British military issued so freshly jacketed and with new pants they decide since he's so small like short basically and he's got such a baby face they're like why don't we just i don't know dress you up as like a member of the hitler youth and be like off you go young man (laughs) (laughs) so as i was writing this i was kind of like could you imagine like a bunch of hitler youth kids like standing there saluting him and he's coming down through and giving him a couple of words of encouragement each, and he gets to Alan, and Alan responds with something like, I fuck off, you weak cunted mustache. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, basically, the way they get him out of here... <laughs> fuck. They, every so often, the Germans would swap out their mattresses for him because they were basically just giant cloth sacks full of hay. And you have hay for that long... You tend to get like bugs in it and it's not, you know, not a great thing to let somebody sleep like that. So they would swap mattresses out for him. And there was a farm where they would just throw these mattresses because the farmers would cut them open and use them for bedding for their, their critters and stuff. So basically when they are getting ready to get rid of some of these must, these, <laughs> some of these mustaches, <laughs> they try to get rid of the mustaches. <laughs> so they're trying to get rid of a bunch of these, uh, these mattresses. And they we're get going the, to the mattresses. They get the bright idea. We're going to cut one open. We're going to tear a bunch of the hay out. And we're going to stuff our wee Bonnie Scotsman into it. Hopefully, he don't have a hay allergy. So they get him in there, and they just start fucking packing hay in on top of him and sew it back closed because, again, crafty. So luckily for him, I don't know if the guards were slipping up or they just decided not to, but they generally bayoneted these mattresses to make sure nobody was trying to sneak out in him. And they didn't get the particular one he was hiding in. I mean, this was a pretty commonplace thing for them to do because it's a fairly obvious way to try to escape from prison. Yeah. I mean, the modern day equivalent would be like hiding in the fucking laundry cart and just throwing dirty clothes over you. Okay, yeah. So they take the mattresses out to the out to the farm I was talking about and they just start throwing them into the stalls. He laid perfectly still for hours until he felt like it was safe to leave. So he he pulls himself out of the the mattress, dusts himself off, and starts walking for Vienna. I don't know why Vienna. I just... His story... It makes sense, but at the same time, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, you're only 300 miles away from Switzerland, and it's neutral as fuck. Could have just gone there. But, you know. Well, I mean... It's in Austria, so I mean, they're uh, Austria, home of Adolf Hitler, friend to the Germans. So, anyway, <laughs> but can you hear the sound of music? Come on, now. some of the hill were... is alive with the sound of Nazis. So he was actually smuggled some uh, some money and a few supplies here and there for, by uh, some resistance fighters, and. Uh, his basic plan was, I'm going to hop on a train and I'm going to ride it until I run out of money, which he did. So he gets off the train and he's still 
right around seven days walk to Vienna. And uh, at this point in time, he's got nothing for supplies except a half-eaten chocolate bar in his pocket. So running low on supplies and getting tired of walking, he decides to flag down a car and hitchhike. And in fucking every goddamn movie scenario that's ever existed, the car he happens to flag down is an SS vehicle. But, like we said, his German and the accents were spot on. They were good enough that he actually fooled actual Germans. <laughs> they just like, okay, yes, yes, child, hop in the car. We will take you to wherever you're going. So they take him all the way to goddamn Stuttgart. And from there, <laughs> he's completely exhausted. He's not slept. He's eaten nothing but chocolate for like the last four days, basically. So he's running on fumes. So he just kind of keeps going. And the reason he's going to Vienna is because Vienna has a U.S. embassy. The U.S. was still neutral at this point in time in the war, and when he gets to the embassy in Vienna, he tells him his story, and they believe him, but when asked for paperwork, he can't produce any, because he was in a prison camp, and he escaped with barely what he had on. Yeah. So they, they turned him away. So he ends up sleeping on a park bench just outside the uh, the embassy for the night. Uh, he woke up in the morning exhausted, half frozen, and his legs cramped so badly he couldn't walk. So he drags himself to a hospital where they admit him, obviously. He was in such a state that when they questioned him, he just fucking cracked. And he told the, he told the staff, he's like, this is what happened. I escaped from a prison camp. I know probably not a good thing. Uh, and from there they contacted the police who contacted Colditz and had someone come pick him up and bring him back to prison. <laughs> he fails. <laughs> yeah. So he was returned on May 31st, 1941. He limped in unaided to the castle and literally walked straight to solitary confinement. Um, from some of the accounts from the other prisoners that saw him, they said some the guards that were with him looked like they actually felt bad for the condition that he was in when he came back. They're just like, oh, dude, sorry. <laughs> I wish I could let you go, but I'm fucking a Nazi, so I can't. The Brits especially took this as a major blow uh, because they had thought that he had gotten back somewhere and could have possibly given the army some information as to where the rest of them were being held. And unfortunately, he didn't. Um, but right here, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about some Polish escapes. All right. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. Okay, we are back. Back again. Yeah. So. Hope you like that uh, that commercial. I'm sure. Go buy it or watch it or don't put that in there. 
So not too long after Allen had been recaptured, a couple of Polish prisoners decided to make an attempt. And in true Polish fashion, they decided to break further into the prison. <laughs> no offense to anybody that might be Polish or Polish descent. We just like to pick on you because, I mean, we got a lot of Polish people around here and uh, they're fun to pick on because they got thick skin and they'll give it right back to you. It's fun. So Lieutenant Micah Sermanowitz and Second Lieutenant, oh man, I am going to butcher the crap out of this one. Butcher the shit right out of it. Mikislaw Schimmel. Mikishla. Mikishla is the closest I'm going to get to that one. Okay. They come up with a plan to uh, to hold up in an area that was regularly searched by the guards where prisoners just weren't supposed to be. It was basically um, like a guards-only kind of area. So they decide, we're going to sneak in here, and we're going to wait until somebody finds us. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pretty fucking straightforward, right? So... They grab these guys and they chuck them in solitary confinement because that's what you do with guys that, you know, do shit that they're not supposed to do in prison. But this right here is where the Germans fucked up because Sermanowitz had put all of his skill points into lockpicking for a long ass time. Son of a bitch. So now he's adept. He's like further than adept. He's master. Oh. Dude, this guy could pick a lock with his fucking fingernails. I'm pretty sure. Mm. Okay. So the cells that the poles were being held in were right next to each other. And then a couple cells down, but still kind of an earshot was a South African pilot named George Skelton. And these cells were strange because they were about 10 feet high, but at the very top, there was a window with just bars in it. There's no glass. So you could, if you got like up as close to the window as you could, you could talk to people next to you. Okay. Yeah. So, they can talk back and forth to each other in Polish. And then this other dude, like two cells down is like, I hear people, but I don't know what the fuck they're saying. So here's where the plan really starts to pick up is, uh, Sir Manowitz and Pat Reed, one of our Brits had become really, really close friends when they were in the prison. Um, and Reed was actually aware of the plan of what the Poles were about to try here. The plan was for Sermanowitz to break out of his cell with a homemade lock pick that he had fashioned and then open as many cells as he could in, co- in solitary confinement. He was mostly planning on springing his fellow countrymen because he really didn't know how many other people were down there with him. And at the time there was only like two or three others, but they were way on the other end or the South African guy who he really didn't know was there either. So he's like, I know I've got a guy here, so we're going to get us out. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you can't you, you can't um, expend too much time because you're going to get caught. Right. The possibility of getting caught. So, I mean, you can only, you know, go so far. Exactly. And then, you know, I mean, I understand. It's still, like, completely unknown how this guy picked the padlock that was on the outside of the solitary confinement door. But he did. Huh. Gets himself out. Breaks out his buddy. And from there, they would uh, open the door from solitary, which led out the main part of the prison where everybody else was being held. All of this took place at 11 p.m. May 11th, 1940, uh, 1941. Reed actually said specifically, like in a... He wrote a, a small biography of basically his time there. And he said as soon as he saw the solitary door opened slightly and these two guys come out. He knew exactly what was going on. And he was just like, okay, let's see what you guys got. 
So they come slinking out into the dark. And uh, like we said earlier, the prisoners are segregated by nationality. So these guys found a window below where below where the Polish area of the prison would be. Yep. They had some other guys that were helping them out. So they, they again, these guys were aware of the escape, the escape plan and had tied a rope of I shit you not bed sheets together and dropped it out the window. I shit you not, bedsheets are the best. I mean... So, Sermanowitz and Schimmel had an escape kit that was already prepared for them that they tied to the, the bottom end of the, the rope of bedsheets that they threw out the window um, so that when they these guys got out to wherever they were going, they had some supplies with them. So they squeeze out the window, they grab the sheet, and they start kind of down, but not too far... And they're going very, very carefully. The ledge that they're on is about four inches wide. And at this point in time, they're 40 to 50 feet above the ground. So they both st- like start to really slowly shimmy across the exterior of the castle. And they get to a, a, a section where there's a drain pipe that would lead them up to the top of the, uh, the German guardhouse. And this, this, at this point in time, it's about 10 yards away from them. So keep in mind, it's 11 o'clock at night. It's pitch dark. And these guys have to be as careful as possible because if not, they're going to fall and die. Like, yeah. That's just, that's it. Of course. So they reach the guardhouse and still holding onto the rope, they start to like rappel up the side of the guardhouse and into a broken skylight in the attic. So they get in. They give the rope a couple of good hard tugs. The guys up top untie it and they start pulling it down with them so that if they have to, so that for later on, they will have that rope again. So they get the rope in. Schimmel secures it to a beam in the center of the attic and they start out another window on the side of the guardhouse. So again, very slowly, very carefully repelling down the side of it, just walking, walking, walking super quietly. And at one point, Schimmel... He didn't quite lose his footing, but he scuffed the toe of his boot just hard enough against the outside of the building to make some noise. Uh, (laughs) The German duty officer, who happened to be sleeping directly under the window that they were escaping out of, kind of like sits up like, what the hell was that? And uh, opens the window and looks down about 10 feet directly into the face of Schimmel. Draws his pistol and shouts, Honda Hock, which is hands up in German. Uh, this would have been a fucking trick, considering at this point in time, they're right around 100 feet above the ground. So letting go and put your hands up ain't much of an option. <laughs> so they continue to climb down because at this point in time, what the fuck else are you going to do? And uh, he alerts a bunch of other guards and uh, they met them on the ground at the bottom of the road. So the two poles are sent back into solitary this time with no hidden lock picks. Yeah. Uh, close call. Okay. Right? You know. They fucking almost had it. I mean, they, 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 I mean, they were literally a scuffed toe away from making it out alive. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know? Po- kudos to them. There's points there. I yeah. mean, I can't, you know, fucking, you got the old college effort. I mean, yes, that is definitely the good old college try. I mean, or the escapee try. Either or. So, there's so many different escape attempts here that... And so many other ones are so fucking crazy. Like, well-detailed and... 
well executed to a point that I couldn't cover all of them. Um, well, I mean, when you get a bunch of people like that together, I mean, there's yeah. going to be quite a few escape attempts. So I, there was one where they had tried to build this long ass tunnel that basically would have led them right out to the river. And, uh, when this one was discovered, these guys were made an example of, uh, there was 50 prisoners that were executed for this particular escape attempt. Wow. They stepped it up to, right. And I'm not real sure. Cause I know that there was a second, uh, another guy that had taken over at one point in time. I'm not sure if it was him or if it was still Egger that it doesn't seem like his style would be like, yeah, kill him. Make an yeah, example. Yeah, that don't make sense. So after all of this, after these guys have just been executed, the Brits come up with the ballsiest, craziest, weirdest escape attempt, escape attempt in all of the prison's history. Kind of started as like a hobby, just a way to pass some time, and it would eventually evolve into a really solid idea. Okay. So a group of Brits elect a man by the name of Lieutenant Tony Roll, who was actually a pretty well-known race car driver at the time, and he was drafted into the war. Like so many people were. Right. I mean, you know, look at, uh, yeah, those guys. Yeah. You know, the ones that I can't think of right now, but yeah. they were drafted. Ted Williams. Ted Williams. Well, well, that was Korea, but still. Well, no, a lot of them didn't. Weren't so much they were drafted, they volunteered. Either are, still. You know, you're doing your your bid for your country. Yeah, they elected him specifically because they knew that he built most of his race cars himself. Okay. So, good with tools, good with his hands. He's mechanically inclined. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we're looking for. So something mechanically. Yeah. Are we going to do a Trojan horse set? <laughs> we'll get there. Damn. So he'd be one of the first people to really notice that just how the guards patrol pattern worked. The roof of the chapel was not very often in view, like in like good line of sight. So this kind of gets some stuff turning it, like some wheels turning. He because gets a whole position or something of it. Yes. The position and kind of, how the rest of the castle kind of blocks it almost depending okay. on, on where they're coming from. Okay. So he would hook up with Lieutenant Bill Goldfinch, which is a fucking great name and Lieutenant Jack best who were flight engineers. Goldfinch and best would start working on a design for a mother fucking glider. <laughs> okay. I like where this is going already. Okay. The roof would give them a really good angle so that with the proper application of said glider, you get off of that roof and you're going to go right over the Mulder River into freedom. You're still in Germany, but you're not in the goddamn castle and you can run. Okay, yeah. In, in silence. I mean, as long as you get up to the roof. Yeah. And it's a glider. There's no engine. Yeah. So it's, it's it, all manpower. Your hardest part's going to be getting... The glider and everything up to the roof. Have, That's what you think. And being able to hold, guessing, three men? Two. Oh, only two? Right. Because one, one's like, eh, fuck it, I don't want to leave right now. <laughs> so the three would recruit nine more prisoners to help them assemble the glider in the attic of the chapel. 
Oh. <laughs> this is kind of funny. Some of the other prisoners started referring to this group as the 12 Apostles. <laughs> <laughs> so the 12-man team would first sneak into the attic of the chapel and build a false wall so that they could build their um, workshop on the other side of it. Okay. The best part of the plan is that the Germans were so busy looking like ground level and below because they're so used to people tunneling, they didn't even consider looking up. Of to course. Think like, of oh, course. Yeah. yeah, these guys are going to fly out of here. Why not, you know? Um, so after they get this false wall done, they start sneaking up supplies to start building their glider. Some of the, mater- some of the materials included bed slats, cotton sheets, electric cable and wire, table knives, nails, and wooden boxes. Now, some of the other supplies were a little bit harder to come by, and they actually bribed a guard to get them a big bottle of casein glue, which is basically like heavy-duty Elmer's glue, but it's it's a milk byproduct, yeah. which is kind of weird. And he also got them a metal drill, like, a, like an old-school like hand drill. Yep, yep. So after they have all of their supplies, they also decide we kind of should build a ramp to get us a good like launch angle because if not, it's just going to fucking go screaming down into the ground and kill everybody. So they, they somehow sneak up like four, uh, was it four or six old tables from the cafeteria, sneak them up there and build them onto the goddamn roof. This is like the most Hogan's Heroes thing I've ever fucking read. <laughs> It's fantastic. I, I'm, I'm kind of like I'm trying to think of they. Oh wow, it must have been some sneaky shit. Like, do 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 do. You see nothing here, Klaus. Like, I, it almost makes it like everything that I did for research into this almost made it seem like during the day the prisoners were just like fucking. Here you go, have fun. Be back in your cells by eight. Um. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I. I yeah, like they weren't held under lock and key. They weren't constantly being guarded, apparently. Uh, so with the completed glider, it would seat two men. It would be 20 feet long and have a 32-foot wingspan. And it weighed in at a slim trim 240 pounds. And it's all wood. Okay. So since it was completed kind of early to mid-winter of 1944, they decide... Springtime 1945 hits, we're launching this thing just because also try to do it in the winter. The roof could be icy and wet and dangerous. And then you if you could freeze to death, if you do probably. escape, then you're stuck out in the fucking woods with nothing in the cold. Yep. And a lot of these guys, when they were brought in, were wearing summer uniforms, so they were lighter. So you would be a lot colder. Yes. Even so, though they're probably were given something. No. Whatever they came in with is what they had. Like, they had blankets and stuff, but... They weren't given any jackets or sweaters or anything like that. Okay. Interesting. So word starts kind of circulating through the camp that, you know, all the Americans are getting close. They're pushing through Europe. And at some point in time, they have to find us. They have to find us. There's no way they can't. The biggest problem the crew ran into was a very reasonable thought that if the American, (laughs) the Americans, Americans, if the Americans get too close the SS would actually come into the camp and just fucking kill everybody just so that they are not recovering any prisoners. They're just finding bodies and abandon yeah. the castle Yes, because they were very good at doing that. A la fucking every concentration camp that's ever existed. 
Most. No, not really. A lot of them. Where they were just like, oh, they're getting close. Let's just fucking fire up the ovens and get rid of everybody and tear it all down. Yeah, some were. Some, they kind of were like, yeah, okay, bye. See ya. Defend for yourselves. You know, you're about dead anyway. So, fuck it. So, some of the accounts that I I found claim that the boys were getting ready to launch this thing May 1st. They nicknamed it the Coldest Cock. Um, And unfortunately, they wouldn't. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. So the coldest cock would never actually have a chance to take flight and more than likely kill both men inside because the Americans liberated the camp April 16th, 1945. How fucking bummed are you at this point in time? You're just like, you know, we put a lot of a lot of effort into that thing. Son of a bitch. I wanted to know if <laughs> it was going to work. You just want to be like, uh, Yanks, I'm going to fly. <laughs> what? I spent quite a bit of time building this thing. I'd like to test it. whatever they're just like whatever you fucking weirdo go ahead whatever go ahead (laughs) so decades later uh bbc4 actually ran a documentary about the men who had been held at coldest castle and part of it showed a crew building a one-to-one scale replica of the glider with the same materials that the prisoners would have had Best and Goldfinch and about a dozen other men that had been held in the castle were invited out to see a, a test launch of the glider. And it fucking flew on the first try. <laughs> same angle off the roof, the same angle for the, the ramp. This fucking thing was just like, whoop, like it was supposed to fly. And I, I would have loved to see the look on these two old men's faces and just being like, I fucking knew it the whole time. <laughs> Told you it would have worked. Yeah. So... But uh, Gerald, oh, but Gerald, he was a, you know, he was just he was a salty naysay. bastard. He was a, he was a naysayer. <laughs> so sadly, the original glider would be lost to history because the area where the castle was actually fell under Russian control after the war. Ah, uh, so it was in East Germany. Yeah, and they went in and just destroyed everything in the castle because, you know, fuckers. The only evidence that we have of the glider is a lone photo that was taken by an American war correspondent during the liberation of the castle. Mm-hmm. Imagine that guy just like walking through and be like, oh, oh hey, look at all this stuff. What the fuck is that? They built a... F- How the fuck did you guys build a plane in here? <laughs> so, all None in all... your business, bloody yank. <laughs> right? So, all in all, there were somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 escape attempts. Wow. At one point in time, they were averaging, uh, oh. they, what the fuck did it say? It said anywhere between five and seven attempts a week. So you're getting almost one attempt a day Jesus. for a long period of time. That's that's a lot of attempts. Right. But with all of that, 32 men would, would end up escaping. Of the 32, 15 would be considered home runs. All yeah. right. Now, who's the winner? So we have one Belgian, one Pole, seven Dutch, 11 British... And for the first time in history, the French win with 12. These men I'm would disappointed. <laughs> Fuck it. I don't want to hear any more. These men would successfully get to neutral countries and to freedom. The rest that escaped were recaptured. The group called the Laughlin Six would be part of damn near a dozen escape attempts, either singularly or as a group. So these dudes were working their butts off trying to get out of this place. <laughs> so I again I am continually amazed. They're like, you want in on this one? No? 
All right. I'll go it alone. Harry? No? Okay. Fuck it. All right. Reginald? No? All right. I know I, Pat's in on it. I, I'm continually amazed by the resilience and ingenuity of these guys that fought in World War II because, I mean, they, they came up with so much crafty shit. And a lot of these guys that were captured by the enemies were not nearly as lucky as guys that had been captured in the Pacific theater because the no. Japanese were notoriously bad to prisoners. Um, so as, as shitty as the Nazis were again, the guy that ran this camp wasn't a bad guy. He was a prison warden. He didn't really give a fuck about the Nazi party. He was a military guy. He was there to do his job until he, he got until know, he was replaced. Place. But he didn't care about the politics of it. He was yeah. there because he was ordered to be here to do something. But maybe that's why he got replaced. That's probably why, because they're like, well, you're not towing the fucking company line. I know you're doing a good job, but you know, we got to bump up the numbers because we need more dead people because that's what we do. We got to keep these guys in there. Right. We can't let them out. But the other cool thing was... Because we don't want them to know position and know where it is to liberate it, yada, yada. Right. But the other cool thing was that when the camp was under Egger's watch, Uh anytime they discovered um, like any kind of a tunnel or a different escape attempt, the guys that were captured that were responsible for it were brought back to where they had been, like where everything had started. And they had German photographers follow them through and take pictures of them doing, like, every individual step of their escape attempt. So, like, there's pictures where it's, like, you just see these, like, British guys, and they're just completely fucking, like, okay, yeah, and then fucking we built supports. And, like, they're pointing at shit, and they're taking pictures. (laughs) So, because he wanted to document it, because he was fascinated by, again, the ingenuity of these guys trying to get the hell out of his prison. Of course. And if you document it, you can also kind of use it as preventative maintenance <laughs> against future attempts. Yes. But like, there's so many pictures where there's just, again, just guys are just like, they look so fucking defeated and they're just like, yeah, we move the toilets and down through the shitters fucking. Oh, and there was one. I didn't Do I have to repeat all this for you. <laughs> I don't really want to. I didn't cover. There's one specific <laughs> one that I didn't cover. That's I, I that's why I'd be like fuck that. I already fucking told you guys. Um, <laughs> I've already tried this once. It failed. You guys caught me. Fuck off. <laughs> but th- there was one that was really really intricate where they went in through the top of a bell tower. <laughs> so so these guys went up to the top of the bell tower from the outside, snuck down in and tunneled out of the castle. So these guys are going up and then back down and out, and they oh. got caught obviously because. Uh, one of the guards noticed, like, he was starting to notice these small little piles of dirt around the outside of the thing. And he's like, yep. something doesn't look right here. So they got a group of guards and they kind of, like, started looking around. And they ended up finding the tunnel. And instead of going in, guns blazing, they sent a little boy in. <laughs> and uh, he, they, like, they basically were like. Tommy, 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 come here, come here. What? V Fritz, come here. V Fritz, come, come here. Come and see here. <laughs> we, we, we want you to go down in there. We will give you all the treats. So they, they send him into this <laughs> tunnel, and they're like, they basically told him, just go see what these guys, ask these guys what they're doing. 
And uh, this little boy just fucking wanders in behind a bunch of British guys. It's like, what are you guys doing? Oi, pricks. <laughs> oh, he's just digging a tunnel. And he fucking turned and ran. And he goes back out. He's like, they're digging a tunnel. They're digging a tunnel. And then they fucking went in and grabbed all these guys. I was like, that's fucking wild. But um, but yeah, that's that's cold. It's, I mean, I... I could have easily turned this into a fucking five-part episode if we wanted to cover all the crazy escapes. Yeah. I... But I wanted to cover a couple of the ones that were a little less known and a couple that were a little bit more known. Um, definitely could have been a longer episode, could have been more parts to it. Um, I would not be opposed to come back and talk about some more of them at some point because I had a lot of fun researching it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's cold it's. Nice. And I think with that, we're going to be done with castles for a minute. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> I mean, how many other fucking castles can we talk about? I don't know. There's plenty out there. Castle Grayskull. Ooh, I have the power. Yeah. So. I mean, this. Uh, do, what can I say? This do is... we want to, uh, before we go through our sponsors, do we want to go over what our listener selected episode is for the first week of October? <sighs> Because we left it up to you guys. I don't, I don't want to tell them. We have to. Do we? We do. Fuck. All right. Right. So, drum roll, please. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Smart asses. I know. We for. Well, we kind of just said fuck it. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do Ape Canyon. I because and we that didn't got just the say, most we, votes. I was going to say because and it it was close. It was close. So <coughs> so the second closest one was um sleep paralysis, sleep paralysis which I mean fucking yes, please at some point I'm in time. still kind of like going I don't really understand it. And I that's mean, why we need to research it and talk about it. There's not like it, yeah, but it's it's a I, I don't I don't know. But there's other things that go into sleep paralysis other than just not being able to move. You get like Shadow people encounters. You've got the hat man. Like, very specific shadow people that are fucking weird. I don't understand how that goes into into it. I just I, I don't know. But, anyway, so we're going to talk yeah. about the Ape Canyon incident, which took place in California. No. I, I'm sorry, it was Washington, right? Maybe. Where the fuck ever it was. <laughs> but it was back in the 30s or 40s, I think. I honestly have not looked into it yet, so uh-huh. that's why I don't know anything. Well, you suck. Because it was 1924. Whatever, I was close. <laughs> you listened to the fucking thing before. What? Ape Canyon. You listened to On them. what? On uh, Sasquatch. Fucking five years ago, yeah. Okay, fine. But, yeah. We're going to cover that. Because, you know, sounds like people want us to cover it. Yeah. And uh, we haven't really done Bigfoot. We've done a little Bigfoot, but not enough. A little Bigfoot? Because we did the, uh, the Human Bigfoot War. Um, we yeah. did the Albert Ostman encounter. We talked about the Beast of Boggy Creek. We've we've done a little Bigfoot, but not a lot. Not enough Bigfoot to really like uh, be like, hey, you guys talk about Bigfoot once in a while, right? I mean, not we kind of mention it, but not really mention right. it. And this time, we're going to really mention it. We are. We're going to mention the shit out of Bigfoot. We, you stole the fucking words right out of my mouth. We were just going to slam the shit right out of it. That's vaguely sexual, and it made me uncomfortable. <laughs> It did not. It did, because it makes it sound like you're going to try to have sexual intercourse with a Bigfoot. No, we're not. I'm not. You said you were. No. I, no. Too much body hair for me. I'm not interested. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, oh. The Wookiee doesn't like the Wookiee? 
No, I'm hairy enough. I don't need, you know, my partner to be also. <clears throat> oh, uh-huh. So, anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> As you tap. So, yeah. Go over to studio.com. Check out what they have for headphones, earbuds, and Bluetooth speaker. Find what you want. Put it in your basket. And... At checkout, put the promo code of discount. This, uh, or sorry, put a Choo-hoo. discount. Yeah, that thing. At checkout, put the promo code of Darkwindows15 in to get 15% off your entire purchase. You know, and if you happen to forget that, well, darkwindowspod.com. You son of a bitch. You can go over to our website, darkwindowspod.com. Uh-huh. You can find links to our Age of Radio, which is where you can listen to every episode that we've ever done. You can um, find his studio. Studio. Speaking of which, I was going back through and like listening to some clips of our old stuff. Wow. Holy shit. Like the first like 10, 15 episodes we did, I was like, oh man, this is not good. <laughs> we were still getting our sea legs. We were trying to figure out our equipment and stuff, and we just we didn't know what we were doing yet. But you know now we're getting there not nice it's not nice but it's true you should say man we were i, I don't know no I you lost. go back and listen to the old stuff and then listen to like what we're doing now and you're like wow you guys have come a long way because you used to suck yeah you used to <laughs> fucking be terrible but now you're well even worse terrible. so i've been thinking about doing something i wanted to throw the idea at you um thinking like once a week if i were to just grab the link for an old episode just kind of go in order and just throw it up on the Facebook page so people can listen to the old stuff if they want sure. and see how fucking cringy it was. Yeah. I mean, we could do that. Mm-hmm. I like um, it. But while you're on our website, you could also go over to our Threadless store and mm-hmm. you can uh, buy some T-shirts and shit. We've got links to all of our social media and stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, which I'm starting to use a little bit more because I figured out I can link Instagram and Twitter together so I can just do it all in one shot. You can makes do life that. easier. Yeah, I, so. I used to have uh, the Twitter and Instagram, you know, linked together, but uh, I think I forgot it. <laughs> so, uh, with all of that being said, that's uh, that's pretty much it for the week, I think. Yeah, that was a, a fun-filled episode. I had a blast with and, that one. Uh, stay tuned because, uh, yeah, we're gonna have uh, another episode coming at you. Shortly. Yeah, and also because of the actions of a few of you, a few of yes, yeah, <clears throat> you know who you are. As punishment, you're getting this episode <clears throat> the same week as the uh, the Ken McElroy episode. Yeah. So there, that's yeah. what you get for listening to our show. You get two full length, fairly <laughs> fairly well researched episodes in one week. So yeah. there, take fucking t- fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> take that, you. S- you sons of bitches. You said it, I didn't. But there. And yeah. I meant it. I hope you like it, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep your yeah. shit up and see what yeah. happens. Yeah. Let's see how many downloads you give us, huh? <laughs> yeah. See what happens. See I if you get you. two episodes a week once in a while, because ah. you, you're going to. Good effort. <laughs> anyway, just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. Unless you escape from prison. Oh, fucking don't do that. <laughs> God, I hate you.